0: Toward La Caverne Negre. Over the entrance, a neon savage, draped in a leopard skin loincloth, a banjo eyed, knuckle dragging man ape, wielded a knotted club. His other hand twirled a lion by the tail around his head. The sign wasn't an accoutrement of the Nazis. It had been there a decade before, when La Caverne was the jungle room. The major, whose name was Weiler, produced a flask from his trench coat and instructed Goudsmit in using brandy to dissolve the blood around his ear. You still smell, he said, but more agreeably. We can't have you turning important stomachs, can we? Goudsmit accepted a pocket comb and used it to recraft his pompadour. With every hair accounted for, he offered the comb back to Weiler, who ordered him to toss it out of the car with a brandy-soaked handkerchief. The Germans escorted him to the entrance of La Caverne, where he balked. An involuntary twitch, wondered the lieutenant, or was he about to make a break? In the sinister alleys of the red-light district, there was a fair chance that he might make a successful getaway. Goudsmit planted his feet an instant before the sound of a jazz band reached the street. He seemed to have second thoughts, making an adjustment to his tie before walking inside. Twenty tables cloaked in checked tablecloths and lit by candle stubs and Chianti bottles were clustered around a low bandstand. Paper mache stalactites, tapering from the ceiling, evoked a vaguely subterranean atmosphere. But it was the damp chill that made Goudsmit feel he'd been brought underground. Paris had lacked warmth since the Germans arrived. He was shivering even before the occupation army seized much of the stocks of coal and heating oil. His hands began to stiffen as Weiler showed him to the front. A seven man combo, Eddie de was stenciled across a celestial sunset on the bass drum was mired in a desultory arrangement of chasing shadows. The musicians were ragged and uninspired, not trying to hide it. The leader, the trumpeter, was the exception, linking the lackadaisical ensembles with inventive solos. Gautzmidt frowned at his improvisations. It would be obscene to admit to enjoying himself, even for a moment, even to himself. An extended guitar riff petered out, and the piano picked up the melody with a ham-handed drummer, Goutsman was prodded onto the bandstand by Major Viler, who laid a hand on the piano player's shoulder, patted it, and jerked him from his stool. The music ground to a halt. The sound, like a needle dragged over the grooves of a spinning record. Goutsman took his place at the keyboard. The Benside spinet had been a beautiful instrument in its day, but that day had come and gone. The ivories were scorched by cigarettes. Spilled drinks had washed away the finish. A wobble in one leg was partially corrected by a cheese-box splint. Fingering the keys, Gautzman discovered two of them close to dead. The evicted pianist was led away as the crowd hooted. Just another night under the new order at La Caverne Negre. The trumpeter announced the next song to Gautzman, who turned to Viler, shaking his head. I don't understand a word he says. Why not? Viler said. He's speaking French. You speak French what is the problem? His accent, it's incomprehensible. Don't jabber. Play. The guitarist strung together chords that Gaussman shredded with his right hand and reassembled as the intro to Manoir de Merave. He was no Django Reinhardt, but his playing lost its sloppiness behind the new pianist. The drummer, switching from sticks to brushes, demonstrated a confident touch. The tenor saxophone assumed the lead, and the trombone and clarinet added embellishments. Goudsmit lingered over the melody, laying down a walking bass line with his left hand. The trumpet player brought his instrument to his lips, depressed the valves soundlessly, and then, squeezing his eyes shut, he began to blow. Goudsmit struck a wrong note. No European jazzman played with the trumpeter's sly brilliance aside from Django, and Django, a gypsy, was laying low. Goudsmit had been in Paris for close to a year since the Germans chased him out of Holland, but he had never gigged with anyone as accomplished as the frontman for Eddie and his angels. The other musicians held back while the trumpeter matched Goudsmit hot lick for hot lick. Every idea that Goudsmit introduced, the horn man explored on fresh ground. His night out with Nazis was turning out to be a memorable occasion in ways he hadn't anticipated— At the close of the number, the trumpeter pronounced the next title, keeping Goudsmit guessing till the first notes of Avalon poured from his horn. Goudsmit joined in, driving the melody, taking it into